after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit was given to the apostles and to the church. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is given to every person who believes in God. In Ephesians chapter 1, we are told we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, after the gift of the Holy Spirit was given to the apostles, early in the book of Acts, many things happened to the apostles. They had power to witness after the Holy Spirit came. It was a tremendous power to witness. They had dreams. They had visions. They were led by angels who appeared to them. There was an angel who appeared to Peter. And he gave Peter information which led him to comfortably go to the house of the Gentiles. For that angel that appeared to Peter, in that vision, Peter saw a sheet being lowered from heaven with all manner of unclean beast on the sheet. And he heard, rise and eat. And Peter said, oh no, Lord, I have never eaten anything unclean. And the angel of God said to Peter, don't call that which God has cleansed, don't call it unclean. Three times this vision appeared to Peter. At that same moment, the servants of Cornelius were coming to the house of Peter to get Peter, by the word of the Lord, to come and talk to them. They are Gentiles. Jews did not do this. But the Holy Spirit spoke to Peter and said, Don't be afraid to go with them. So Peter went with them to Cornelius' house. And while he was talking to Cornelius and all the people who had gathered of the Gentiles to hear what Peter had to say. The Holy Spirit fell on them. And after that, Peter said, How can we reject them since God has chosen to give them his spirit? Therefore, he had them be baptized after they received the Holy Spirit. Anything you can see in the New Testament can happen to us today. If you see it happen to Peter or Paul after they had the Holy Spirit, the same type of thing can happen to us today. I've lived by this principle for 40 plus years. It is a basic foundation for believing the things that God does in our life. Today I'm speaking to you about the ways God communicates with us the church today with his children the ways God communicates with us I want to take scripture and show God doing this in the Bible to people who already have the Holy Spirit for if they God has done that through them he can do it through us the same thing 
If he gives Paul a dream, he could give us a dream. If he gives, shows an angel to Paul, he could show an angel to us. If he does a vision with Paul, he could do a vision with us. Nothing has changed since the time of Jesus' resurrection. Nothing has changed. This is a very important principle in proving all things. Therefore, we start with this subject, the ways God leads us today. We're going to start with the subject of angels communicating to us. Angels bring messages from God. They can do great works. They can do great things. There was an angel who moved the stone at Jesus' tomb. This heavy stone that no one could move. The women wanted to go there to anoint Jesus' body. But they were concerned about who will move the stone for us. That's in front of the tomb. Well, no need to be concerned. God just caused an earthquake and caused the angel to appear and he moved the stone. And when the women got there, the tomb was open. We're going to read a wonderful example to start with of Peter being in prison and an angel rescuing him. Remember, anything that could happen to Peter could definitely happen to us today. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews... He proceeded further to take Peter also. These were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quadrants of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter, and this means after the Passover, according to Unger's Bible Dictionary, the Easter used there, in this passage, is not like the Easter of today. That means Passover. The Easter of today is not in the Bible. It was instituted, according to Unger, in the 8th century. Therefore, it was set up by men and not by God. So anyway, Herod has Peter in prison, intending after the Passover to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon Peter, and the light shined in the prison, and he smote, he, the angel, smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell from off his hands. And the angel said unto Peter, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. 
And he, the angel, saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he, Peter, went out and followed the angel, and knew not that it was true which was done by the angel, but he thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth into the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from Peter. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. So the work of the angel. God sent the angel. The angel woke Peter up. The chains fell off of Peter's hands. It didn't wake up the guards. But the chains fell off of Peter's hands. Peter dressed, put on his sandals, because the angel told him to do that. He followed, Peter followed the angel. They got to the iron gate that was at the front of the prison, and it just opened. The gate opened of its own accord. They went outside into the street. The angel disappeared, and Peter said, This really was an angel. I'm out of the prison. If this happened to Peter, who had the Holy Spirit, nothing else has been given to the church since the time of Peter, and nothing's been taken away from the church since the time of Peter. If this could happen to Peter, God could use this same thing in our lives today. So this gives us the basis to believe supernatural things of God. On January 10th, 1980, in the night, I was asleep. I was awakened by a very loud, trumpet-like voice blowing three words into my ear. Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. I jumped out of bed. I wrote on the notepad by my bed, K-W-J-S. It seemed clear to me that this had to be call letters for either radio or television. I didn't want to get those letters mixed up. I looked K-W-J-S up in the directory and found it to be a radio station. I said to God, are you telling me to go on radio? I wouldn't know how to do that. Then I reminded God, I'm a writer, not a speaker. Instantly, a thought came into my mind. Call the radio station manager. I believe I had two types of experiences here. I believe it was an angel of God who spoke those words to me, blowing them into my ear. The angel was so powerful. The word was so strong. Plus, it came from without my body. 
The Holy Spirit is in each of us. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us to teach us, to guide us, to lead us in the ways of God. How does he lead us? He brings gentle thoughts to our mind to lead us. But, of course, the devil will send thoughts to your mind, and so does your own flesh. So we have to discern the Spirit of God when he brings a thought. One of the primary ways we know the Spirit of God is told us in James 3.17. James 3.17, the wisdom that is from above, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Those are characteristics of knowing the wisdom of God. But in this situation that happened to me that night, I believe the first thing was an angel of God bringing me a message from God, which was going to end up putting me on radio, which I had never before considered doing. I'd never even heard a radio broadcast, a religious-type radio broadcast. But that night, the angel of God, whom I believe was an angel of God, very loud, trumpet-like sound, voice blew in my ear Hartford Seattle KWJS KWJS was radio so I am reminded when I tell God I don't know how to do this I wouldn't know how to go on radio instantly coming into my mind from the Holy Spirit within me call the radio station manager so that morning I called the radio station and asked to speak to the manager. He came on immediately. I said to him, it might be that God is showing me to go on radio. He said, well, I said, how would you do that? He said, make an audition tape 29 and a half minutes long and send it to us. If you fit our broadcasting, we will offer you a contract. Within five days, I was on radio KWJS. By the way, that same day that I had that word spoken to me, I recorded that audition tape on a cassette tape recorder. After I talked to the radio station manager, I recorded it. And I took it and put it in the mail immediately. I have found when you are sure something's a word from God... You don't want to wait. You don't want to hesitate. That just gives the devil more time to attack you like, did you really hear that from God? Was that really from God? Isn't that how he attacked Eve? Did God really say that? That's exactly what will happen. Now, even if you mail the tape, that might happen. But this experience was so strong that it, I don't recall that happening in this case. It might have. I was on radio within five days of, of sending the audition tape. Within a year or a little more maybe, I was broadcasting on radio from the cities of Hartford on the east coast of the United States all the way across the United States to Seattle on the West Coast. 
the word given to me that night on January 10th was Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. I started with KWJS and one station after another was added until I was on radio from Hartford to Seattle, just like the word said that was given to me. Now, I believe that's the one time I have heard from an angel of God. There may have been other times, but that is the one that I really believe was, a, was an angel. If you can read it in the New Testament and see a disciple after the resurrection of Jesus and after the Holy Spirit has been given, nothing has changed since then. Nothing else has been added to the church since then. Therefore, I believe anything that we have seen happen in the book of Acts all the way through the New Testament, anything that we've seen happen to another disciple of God could happen to us if God wills. And we have the basis for faith, to anchor faith in the subject. God can speak to us through visions. We have an example of Paul. After he's already born again, God giving him a vision to show him what to do. Acts chapter 16, verses 9 and 10. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. I have received several visions from God since I became a Christian. The first example I will give you is about 1977, and I became a Christian in 1975. I was in a prayer group. The women were all in a circle praying, and I must have had my head bowed and my eyes closed because I had the following come into my mind, I'm sure about the Holy Spirit. Look up. So I opened my eyes and raised my head and looked up, and on the wall, I saw an outline of a part of the body. I'm praying to God as they are praying over whatever it was they were praying over. I said to God, I know that's a part of the body, but I can't remember which part. And I heard stomach. See, it was the Holy Spirit answering stomach. I said, oh, yeah, that was a stomach. That's like the old Pepto-Bismol commercials. So when the women had quit praying, I gathered enough courage. I was very young Christian then. I gathered enough courage to say, does anyone have a stomach problem? One woman said, I do, I do. She was just kind of jumping up and down. I, I said, well, I, I 
just had this, which it was a word of knowledge, is what it was, spiritual gift, word of knowledge. That's in 1 Corinthians 12 about a stomach. And she said, oh, I have a stomach problem. Now, I can't remember what happened after that. I assume everybody prayed for But I, I was so involved in the mechanics of this situation. This is the first time I recall ever having a vision. After that, I frequently had word of knowledge shown me this way. I went to the Bible class that met before the Sunday school class, and the man teaching our Bible class always said, at some point in the class, he would always say, does anyone have a word from the Lord? He always gave appropriate opening for us to present a word from the Lord. At the beginning of the class, he would lead singing. Frequently during the singing, I would see an outline on the wall showing me something, or I would hear something. I would receive a word of knowledge. He always opened the door for me to present the word of knowledge by saying, does anyone have a word from the Lord? One night he asked me once to teach uh, at his Bible class. I, he was leading singing there at the Bible class where I was supposed to teach. Words of knowledge began coming so fast to me during that song service that I I mean, it was usually I would have one, two, three words of knowledge. They were just, I mean, one after another. I grabbed a paper and pencil and began noting them down because I didn't want to forget any of them. It turned out I received 24 words of knowledge during the time they were singing that night. I don't think I ever spoke to the class. I think I just presented all the words of knowledge that I had received. Once again, word of knowledge is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8. It's a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. And then he goes on, Paul goes on to list several other gifts of the Holy Spirit. To me, a word of wisdom would be a word showing what to do about a situation, whereas a word of knowledge is simply a word saying the situation exists, like, does someone have a stomach problem? But I receive word of knowledge all the time. One of the, uh, oh, two or three years ago, I had a friend who was dying. He's a young man. He was 44 years old at the time. His wife, he had a wife and two teenage children. They diagnosed him with ALS. I had just met him before the diagnosis, but we became very good friends. I received an open vision about David. I saw him on a golf course. He liked to play golf. He, by that time, he was totally paralyzed that I had the vision. But he was totally healed on the golf course, and he was jumping up and down and waving his arms like, come on, come on, join me. This is great. It's great here. I knew God was showing me David was going to die. But I also knew God was showing me he was all right spiritually. 
At that same point in time, a man who worked with David, uh, David lived about 600 miles away from me, and a man that lived in the same city where David lived was coming to visit in Lubbock for something, and David called me and asked me if he could stay at my house, and I said, sure. So Clay stayed at my house in my guest bedroom. We were talking, and I to told him about the vision I had about David, and he said, don't you think that means David will be healed? And I said, no, David is dying. That shows that his spiritual condition is all right. He died shortly after that, just a few weeks after that, David died. Clay was in the church group that had been praying for David to be healed, but I knew David was going to die. That's an example of an open vision. So I've had many open visions. Another way God communicates with us is through dreams. Now, dreams can be tricky. You have to kind of pray for the interpretation of the dream. But dreams are another avenue that God communicates with us today. Do we have any examples in the New Testament? Well, we certainly do. In the first example that I'm giving, we're not absolutely certain this was a dream. An angel of the Lord appeared to Paul. It could have been an angel just standing there in the room, but I think it was most likely a dream. Paul says, it was, well, it was, let me set it up first and tell you, this is the area where Paul was being transported to prison. He was a, one of the prisoners aboard a ship. A storm hit the ship, and they were in great danger of being shipwrecked. Acts 27, 21 through 25. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me, and have not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss, because Paul warned them not to, not to sail but they wouldn't listen to Paul. Now they're in danger of shipwreck. Paul says, And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. The ship was going to be destroyed, but no loss of life. Paul says, For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and, lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Paul says, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was told me. What God says he's going to do. In Matthew chapter 2, we have several examples of an angel appearing in a dream to guide Joseph concerning Jesus. Matthew 2, verses 13, 14. And when they were departed when the wise men or the shepherds, one of the two groups, had just visited uh, Joseph and the 
and Mary and the child, baby Jesus. When they departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when Joseph arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. In the Old Testament, we have a statement in the book of Job which tells us the use of dreams and visions and how they instruct the church and protect the children of God. Job 33, verses 15 through 18. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men and slumberings upon the bed, then he, God, openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instruction, that he, God, may withdraw man from his own purpose and hide pride from man, he, God, keepeth his soul back from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. I have quite a few examples of having this happen. In 1982, I was on radio from coast to coast. God told me the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. He began showing me sins being committed by big-time radio TV ministers. I tried to get the message to the minister to warn them, but the messages were all intercepted by the people that take care of their mail, and I knew the messages were being destroyed and never getting to the minister. There's a scripture where Paul said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. Beware of him, for he greatly withstood our words. Well, I saw by that scripture Paul warning the church about another person and naming him by name. And because of this scripture, I had the courage to get on my own radio broadcast and name the minister by name who was doing the thing that God had shown me that was wrong and tell what he was doing. And then the minister got the message. But at first, I couldn't get a message to him, but his own con congregation carried the message to him. W one of them was Jimmy Swaggart. I had the same advertising agent that Swaggart had been using. Swaggart had left that agency, but the agent told me this. Jimmy Swaggart came to us because he was unhappy that he only had about 500 people coming to his meetings and he wanted bigger crowds. So we told him, stop some of the preaching and do more music. Swaggart was a country western singer. So Swaggart cut back on the preaching and did entertaining. And he got huge crowds when he entertained them. I saw the evil in it. God showed me the evil in what Swaggart had done. The message I had for Swaggart was go back to preaching. You're entertaining the people to get crowds, get lots of people to come to your meetings, go back to the preaching. 
Well, the way I got into Swaggart was by speaking it on my own radio broadcast from coast to coast. I had a message for Jim Baker at that time. This is the Baker that's spelled B-A-K-K-E-R. He and that Tammy Faye, the wife, Tammy Faye, had a TV show, which I, frankly, I had never seen. Although once I was doing some television work in Detroit, and I came, I was staying at the home of the man who owned the TV station, and I came downstairs for breakfast, and his wife and this man had the TV on, and it was that show of Jim Baker's. And when I saw it, I was aghast. It looked like some absolutely grotesque Hollywood production. And she was so made up, I was shocked. And then he, they were, here they are together with all those big smiling faces on this runway with all these runway lights. And I just said, who is that? And they said, don't you know Jim Baker? And I said, no. I'd never seen him before, before that time. By the time I had this message, I did know who he was. The message that I had for him, I recorded on a cassette tape and sent it to their office. I identified myself as a prophet. This is a message from a prophet. I'm sure they just threw it away. They sent me a letter back, which appeared to be signed by Jim Baker. Now, my letterhead, where I identified myself as a prophet, the ministry name that God showed me to work under is Jesus Ministries. So at the top left-hand corner, I had our logo, which says Jesus Ministries, and I wrote the letter to him and signed it Joan Boney. The letter I got back, supposedly from Jim Baker, which I have no doubt it was some kind of form letter they used to deal with stuff like this. The letter said, Dear Jesus, thank you for your inspiring message. Jesus, I want you to know that Tammy Faye and I prayed for you today. Signed, Jim Baker. Incredible. There's so much fraud in ministries and so much deception. That was 1982. And by 1988, I believe it was 88, when Jim Baker was taken to prison for fraud. by It was a scheme on his um, uh, theme park. They had offered, I think you got one weekend a year for you and your family at his hotel of his theme park. But if you gave this amount of money, X number of dollars. But the problem was they didn't have enough rooms in the hotel to house the people who gave the offerings. And the United States government called that fraud. Now the message I had for Baker was on adultery. But it turned out that Jim Baker was at that time committing adultery with a church secretary named Jessica Hahn. This whole story is in an, the Internet Encyclopedia 
Wikipedia, which you can look up for yourself if you care to do so, and so is Swaggart's story in that. So I was giving these judgment messages on my radio broadcast, and hate mail was pouring in from the followers of people like Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart. Toward me. The hate mail was toward me. One night, God gave me a dream. He showed me this in the form of two football teams. The University of Texas was playing North Texas. The University of Texas is a powerful school. North Texas is much smaller. And it was shocking to me to see that North Texas was playing Texas University. There was a running back who was playing for North Texas. They were lined up. North Texas had their back to the goal line. The quarterback was getting to take the, just beginning to take the snap to hand it off to the running back. The running back had at one time played for Texas, but now he's playing for North Texas, the weaker team. It was just so obvious to me in the dream that when that quarterback took the snap and handed it to the running back, that running back was going to be killed by those Texas players. The ball was snapped. I heard, don't go until you see Exodus 15. And I awoke. I was terrified. I knew it was from God warning me, you could be in real danger out there of being injured. Would the church really hurt me? Absolutely they would hurt me if they get their hands on me. They didn't. I didn't have a listed telephone because God had shown me to unlist my telephone. I lived in a very, very simple, low-expensive apartment building, happened to be on the campus of SMU. Only one person ever really located me. I have no idea how he found me. The apartment building that I lived in was sort of like a Quonset hut, and it had a hallway, and apartments were on both sides of the hallway. So you had this covered uh, part of the hallway, which was a part of the building. This older man appeared at my door one day on my apartment. He kept pounding on my door. And I said, who are you? And he said, you have a message from God for me. It was very frightening. I called one, the Bible teacher at our church while he was still pounding on the door of the man. And Don said, will you tell him to get away that I'm coming over there right now to leave you alone? So I told him, I said, our Bible teacher's coming over here right now. And he said to tell you to leave. Well, he did disappear. That's the only time anyone has ever found me. I'm not deliberately hiding now, but that's at that point in time, God had warned me. He had warned me to have my phone unlisted. I was not visible at that time, except at my meetings, which were around the United States, so anyone could have found me at the meetings. Then God tells me, don't go until you see Exodus 15. That was 1982. 
my calendar was totally filled with meetings all over the United States. I canceled every meeting. There was no way I was going out after what I heard. One of the women that worked closely with me in the ministry said, Joan, you have to go out. If you go out, they will give money. And if you don't go out, they, you'll lose all this money. I said to her, God told me not to go. I'm not going. And I didn't go. I did lose money, but I didn't go. I had, I was fine. So that's one of the dreams of warning that I had. Now, uh, one of the women that worked for me, we were all sort of involved in that faith movement at the time, and she just couldn't believe that a church member would do me harm. And I, she said to me, well, do you really think that somebody from the church would harm you? And I said, absolutely. There's a scripture where Jesus warned us of that very thing. John chapter 16, verse 2. We'll turn to that. Jesus, speaking to his apostles, said, They shall put you out of the synagogue. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think he doeth God service. He said they will do that to you because they don't know me. There are many in the churches today who are not Christians. The time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think he doeth God's service. So I had no trouble believing I was in great danger. In the year 2012, I had a dream where a woman was on stage singing. And I said, it's a little voice that she has, but it's a nice little voice. And at that moment, my eyes were opened in the dream and I saw it was a blog. God was showing me to start a blog. The only time prior to that that I'd ever heard of a blog was in the movie Julie and Julia, about Julia Childs, when that Julie was writing a blog. And I got to see it. And at the time I saw that movie... Oh, I thought that would be the most exciting thing to get to do, to write a daily report on a blog. Ooh, but I thought I don't have anything to say. Pam Paget, who works with me, just laughs when she, I tell her that story. We have written so far since 2012 over 11,000 exhortations to the church on our blog. <laughs> which we've been doing since 2012, since I had that dream. When I had that dream, I called Pam in Colorado Springs. I was living in Texas at the time. I called Pam and I said, uh, Pam, can you set up a blog? Pam had been a computer programmer at FedEx. She retired as a computer programmer, so she had 20 years of working with computer programming. She said, well, I don't know anything about it, but I probably can. I was quite sure if she couldn't, she would find someone and learn how to do it. 
it's kind of fun looking back on it because Pam and I have talked about it several times since that time. Pam said she saw the movie Julie and Julia and never noticed the blog. All she could think of was the food, and all I could think of was the blog. First time I'd ever seen a blog. Anyway, uh, Pam set up our blog, and within three days we were publishing on the blog and are still publishing on the blog. Its name is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. In January 2020, Pam had a word brought to her by God. She had just awakened, and a very strong word came to her, podcast. She took her Kindle even before she got out of bed and began looking up the word podcast to see what it was. She told me about it. Well, I was really excited about it because I had considered going back on radio. But she had this word podcast. Sometimes you can have in your heart a desire to do a certain thing, but you may not have the exact way to do it. And the minute she had told me about this word podcast and told me what a podcast was, I knew that was the answer to my question, should I go on radio, back on radio? Well, I wasn't going to be going on radio. I was going to be doing podcasts, which are even better than radio. On radio, you are limited to a one shot at your audience. That broadcast is over. But on podcasts, you get to develop this whole library of exhortations which everyone has an opportunity to see. And also, you're not under a time limit, which frees you from the restraints of a time limit. I love it. You will remember I'd been praying, should I go back on radio? Pam has the word podcast brought to her mind. She tells me what a podcast is. I think it's great. And after that... God gave me a dream to confirm the podcast. In this dream, I opened my front door and there were kittens were everywhere. Kittens, little baby kittens. They were all white except for one. And all these white kittens on the left-hand side of the door, the right-hand side of the door, some were just lying there almost dead from hunger. They were waiting for me to feed them. One kitten was yellow and with a was white with a little tinge of yellow. That was a polluted kitten, already polluted. They were in my garage. It was a very upsetting dream to me. What could I do with all these kittens? How can I handle this? The next morning I thought of the dream and I said to God, What does this dream mean? And I was reminded of baby Christians. Baby Christians who are dying for hunger, of food, for food. Feed them. Feed those baby Christians. The podcast. I believe the kitten that was white with a little bit of yellow had gotten some pollution on it from the doctrines of his church which are not necessarily the doctrines of God. I hope each one of you understand. 
that the doctrines being spoken at your church are not necessarily the doctrines of the Bible. It's up to you to prove your doctrines by going to the Bible, by prayer, by looking at the Bible. So my assignment, 2012, make podcasts, feed the church. In this presentation today, I've shown you from the Bible and from examples, the ways God speaks to us. Our blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortations, has every one of the scriptures that I have shared with you printed on that, so you can look at these scriptures again. You can even hear the recording again. If you will go to our blog, which is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Be sure to put that word exhortation in there. On the right-hand side of the home page, you will see the word podcast. Click on that. It will bring up a list of all the broadcasts that I have recorded. The one for today is entitled Ways God Communicates with Us Today. You can hear this broadcast again, and you can read all the scriptures for yourself. It is very important for you to build your foundation on these scriptures. Jesus Ministries Exhortations. This is Joan Boney, and I want to thank you for allowing me to speak to you today. <music>